you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 24. 1 Samuel chapter 24. We're going to skip ahead a few chapters. Last week we were still in we were in 19 and, and uh, looking at some of the things that were going on with, between David and Saul. And we're moving ahead to chapter 24 where Saul and David do finally meet. It's a familiar passage probably for many of us if you've grown up in Sunday school. Um, you probably have gone over this story before, this narrative of what happened between David and Saul and the meeting that they had in this particular cave. But one of the things that sticks out that God has shown me as, as I was studying this is we get a really good sense of true biblical leadership by David. So as we think about that, what does it really mean to be a true biblical leader? Throughout the book of 1 Samuel... Uh, this historical narrative has told the story of how Israel wanted to move from a leadership where the judges were in charge. And, and, and they were the ruling class. They were the ones telling people what was right, what was wrong. And now they want a king. They want a monarchy. We want somebody to lead us like all the other nations that would be for our benefits. Now Samuel was very reluctant and even warned the people that the king that you want is not what you're going to get as a king. That's not the man that you're going to have lead you. Instead, you're going to come across a king that is selfish and wants to do things for his benefit. Still, the people said, we want a king. We want a king. We know that's best for us. So God allows Samuel to anoint a king, and that king is Saul. Well, it turns out that Saul was every bit of what Samuel was warning. He was not a king that the people hoped for, he was a king that Samuel warned them about. He stayed true to that description. God would give Saul a task, and Saul would use it to his benefit, to do things that were working for him in the long run. And so now God has shifted to say, I need, me, I need a king for Israel that is after my own heart. And so God leads Samuel to take David and anoint him to be the future king of Israel. Now, in this period between David being anointed and David being eventually the king, God uses David in many ways. We know he killed the Philistine giant. Uh, he was used to relieve Saul of the tormenting spirit that was causing harm to him. And now we see time and time again how David was leading armies. To do great things for Israel. And while David's popularity grew, along with that, Saul's jealousy grew. And it grew into anger and hatred for David. And now Saul wants badly to kill David. He tries many, many schemes. And Saul even uses his own children. We saw last week, Jonathan and Michael to try to kill David. Jonathan had this covenantal friendship, this deep bond as friends between him and David. Michael had a covenantal bond of marriage as David's wife. And those covenantal bonds kept them from following their father's will and protected David and saved him from death. But this still does not stop Saul. And now we see David is on the run. 
and the men that are with him, they bury themselves deep into this cave. And as the Lord would have it, he leads Saul to the very same cave. And it is in this encounter that I believe we see true biblical leadership for us to follow today. So let's go ahead and start in 1 Samuel chapter 24. We're going to start in verse 1 and read to verse 7 and then see what the Lord has for us today. Verse 1 says, When Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, Behold, David is in the wilderness and in Gedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the wild goat's rocks. And he came to the sheepfolds by the way, where there was a cave, and Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave, and the men of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And afterward, David's heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we give you the praise for the time that we've had to worship your holy name, God. And I pray that our hearts are prepared to hear your word today. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we get to be here today and read your word, God, and hear from it, God. And so I pray today that it will speak to our hearts. It will move us where we need to be moved. And God, I just give you the praise uh, for doing that now. God, we love you. We pray all this in your son's holy name. Amen. So we see in this historical narrative an example of why God chose David to be the next king of Israel. David is in a difficult season, right? He is being chased after by Saul. He knows that Saul wants to kill him. But yet in a moment where he could have ended the life of Saul, David chose true biblical leadership and became a great example for the men who were following him as well as an example for us here today. And the first thing that we see about true biblical leadership is this. Leaders accept conviction. Leaders accept conviction. Go back to verse 3 through 7. Verse 3, it says, And he came to the sheepfold by the way where there was a cave, and Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave, and the men of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe, and afterward David's heart struck him. Because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe, he said to the men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. So again, David's on the run. He's in the wilderness. And David and his men go into the innermost part of this cave. And as the Lord wills it, Saul and these 3,000 men come across this very same cave. 
Now Saul decides he's going to take a break from his travels to go into this cave to relieve himself. And yes, that's exactly what it sounds like, right? So some of your translations might actually say, cover his feet. That's just a nicer way of saying Saul's going to the bathroom, all right? That's a, what we call an idiom, a euphemism or whatever it's called. That's just a polite way to say Saul's got to go to the bathroom. And so I know I spent too much time on that, just that point, but it's this, is that while Saul is in that cave, David and his men are hiding in this innermost part, and they see Saul. There's Saul right there. And David's men are like, David, this is the perfect opportunity. You're not going to get a better opportunity to kill Saul. He has no clue we are here. There is no way he would see you do it. You could kill him right now and put an end to all of this God and God already told you he that he would give your enemy into your hand so here is that providence David but instead what does David do he cuts off the corner of his robe but after he does this what happens to David conviction pours all over David David realizes that though Saul may be considered an enemy, he is still the king, which means he still respects that position of authority. David is still respecting that position of authority. So now David is faced with a choice. Do I take this conviction and move forward trying to continue to respect the king and his authority, or does David brush off the conviction and finish the job that he know he can do? David's men would prefer he kill Saul. But David takes the conviction and he doesn't run away from it. He tells the men, we're not going to attack Saul. We're not going to kill him. This is what conviction does to leaders that are willing to accept it. And we too will experience conviction. We all experience it in our lives. You're going to experience it if you sit under preaching and teaching of God's word. You're going to experience conviction. Hopefully, you're going to experience conviction when you read your Bibles at home. If you're not experiencing conviction when you're reading your Bible at home, you're not reading enough. Because when we open up God's word, when we spend time studying God's word, there is going to be conviction. And with that conviction, there must be a response to it. This is why we have our invitation time at the end of our services. So that after reading God's word and spending time in that word, we pray that God would convict us of our hearts and convict us where we're falling short and that we would respond in a moment of invitation, you can choose to respond to this conviction by seeking forgiveness and repenting of your sin. Whatever it is that God is convicting you of specifically. But you can also respond by ignoring the conviction and hope that it might just go away one day. But if anyone knows has been there, it doesn't go away. Conviction does not go away because the sin has not gone away. Now, depending on where, where you are in your life, conviction will be different than uh, will be different from others. If you're lost in here today, if you have never placed yourself under the authority of Jesus Christ, if you have not believed in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, 
then guess what? Your conviction is simple. Your conviction is to receive salvation today. That is what God is calling you to do. If you feel that conviction deep within your soul, that is God calling out to you to receive salvation. Listen, Jesus came to this world. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross for our sins and resurrected from the dead to defeat that payment of sin. And from that moment on, God would convict the lost to receive salvation and worship Him. So if this is you, know that the conviction you might feel today will be for receiving salvation. But maybe you're already saved. Maybe you're already saved. So your conviction is based on the circumstances of your life. Maybe you're dealing with a sin you cannot shake. And God's like, we've got to deal with this sin now. We've got to get rid of it now. Maybe you've been presented with an opportunity to serve God. And you haven't taken that step to go forward as a leader to serve God faithfully. Maybe that's the conviction. He's saying, you've got to take the step forward. Maybe you did something this week you shouldn't have done. Maybe you've been convicted for a lack of effort you've given to God this week. Whatever the conviction may be, God is not going to let it continue without conviction. He's not going to continue to let you just continue to do what you want without there being some form of conviction. Why? Because conviction leads to restoration. Conviction leads to restoration. Conviction is not to condemn you. Conviction is not to make you feel worthless. God convicts so that you will be restored and can continue to do His will faithfully. That's why God convicts. He wants to restore you. And true, re true leaders recognize the purpose of conviction. See, I think too many times we, we get mad at preachers because they're, they're calling out our sins. Or, or, or we might grow in embarrassment and shame because our sin got called out. And we're thinking, oh, well, please don't let anybody know that, I, that, that he's talking about me. I hope the preacher don't even know that he's talking about me. Like we get in this shame and embarrassment for our sins. But what we really should be doing is saying, God, you are clearly convicting me. Restore my soul. Because that is what conviction is about. And it is in that conviction that David and Saul are going to have a moment of restoration. And so for us today, where do you need to be restored? Listen, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, do not be filled with shame. Take on the conviction. And seek the restoration through forgiveness. That is what conviction is for. That's what makes us true biblical leaders. Not only that, but leaders, true biblical leaders, live with integrity. Look at verses 8 through 12. Let's keep reading in our passage. Verse 8. Afterward, David also arose and went out of the cave. And called after Saul, my lord the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the earth and paid homage. And David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of men who say, behold, David seeks your harm? Behold, this day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you today into my hand in the cave. And some told me to kill you, but I spared you. 
I said, I will not put out my hand against my Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, see the corner of your robe in my hand. For by the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe and did not kill you, you may know and see that there is no wrong or treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you, though you hunt my life to take it. May the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me against you. But my hand shall not be against you. So in this moment, we see that David was a man of integrity. He comes out of the cave and to face Saul face to face, which takes a lot of courage to face a man who wants to kill you, which is courage is another attribute of a true biblical leader. But David goes out of this cave and he shows respect to King Saul by bowing before him. But then he asks Saul, why do you listen to the words of men who say, behold, David seeks your harm? David reveals to Saul that if that previous statement was true, if, that, if, if what people are saying about me is true, Saul, then you would already be dead. David says, God put you in that cave where I was. And I had men tell me to kill you, but I didn't. David is saying, let the evidence of this moment prove that I am a man of integrity. That I am a man that respects your authority as king. And there is no evidence to say otherwise. See, this is what integrity does for us. If we live our lives with integrity, the wicked can say evil things against us, but it will not stand. 1 Peter 3.16, Peter writes these words, Having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Listen, the wicked will seek to harm the reputation of a righteous person. As Christians, we must lead with integrity so that no one will have anything wrong to speak against us. And if they do, it will fall apart because they will have no way to defend their stance. Integrity is following the word of God. Is willing to do what's right even when others say otherwise. And David kept his integrity. He defended himself when the time was right. So can we say the same about our own lives? <coughs> Excuse me. Can we say the same in our own lives? Proverbs 10, 9 says, Whoever walks in integrity walks securely, but he who makes his ways crooked will be found out. If you're not walking with integrity, it's going to be found out. If you're walking with integrity, it's going to be evident as well. It'll be evident in how you treat one another. It'll be evident in how you respond to, to authority. It'll be evident in how faithful you are to the Lord. So Christians, believers, brothers and sisters in the faith, walk with integrity. Own up to the sin that you're dealing with and let that restoration by our Savior Jesus Christ help you to walk with integrity. And if we can be leaders who will walk with integrity, who will accept the convictions from the Lord, your leadership will impact those around you. Your leadership as a biblical leader will impact those around you. 
Look at what happens in verse 16 in our main text. Verse 16 through 22. It says, As soon as David had finished speaking these words to Saul, Saul said, Is this your voice, my son David? And Saul lifted up his voice and wept. He said to David, You are more righteous than I, for you have repaid me good, whereas I have repaid you evil. And you have declared this day how you dealt well with me, in that you did not kill me when the Lord put me in your hands. For if a man finds his enemy, will he let him go away safe? So may the Lord reward you with good for what you have done to me this day. And now, behold, I know that you shall surely be king, and that the kingdom of Israel shall be established in your hand. Swear to me, therefore, by the Lord, that you will not cut off my offspring after me, and that you will not destroy my name out of my father's house. And David swore this to Saul. Then Saul went home, but David and his men went up to the stronghold. David's leadership, doing what is right, talking directly to Saul, impacted those who were following David, but also King Saul himself. It says in verse 16 that when David finished speaking, that Saul wept. He was crying because of the impact that David's life had on him and what David did. Saul recognized his own shortcomings when they were exposed by David's righteousness in a moment. Saul was overwhelmed by the response he had received from David. And I believe Saul knew that he could have easily lost his life that day. I think Saul knew that because he's human like the rest of us. I think he realized in that moment, I could have easily have been dead and it would have been justified. But he also was grateful that David spared his life. And it was in that day that Saul realized that David was going to be the next king of Israel. That he knew that God had truly anointed David as the next king. It was evident that David was chosen by God. It was evident that the relationship uh, that David had with the Lord, it was evident by his actions towards Saul. And there was no denying it. And the question for us is this, is our faith that undeniable is our faith that undeniable when people are around you do they know that you have been with the lord do they know you are resting under the authority of jesus christ our savior david spent a moment under the lord's conviction and he responded out of that conviction and out of that response saul knew david belonged to the lord can the same be said for us church Now understand what I'm asking and what I'm not asking here. I'm not asking do people know that you're a member of Madden Baptist Church or that you go to church at all. That's not what I'm asking. What I am asking is this. Do the people that are around you day in and day out, do they know that you belong to Jesus Christ? Do they know that based on your Life Is it evident in the way you talk? Is it evident in the way you carry yourself? Are people impacted because of the faith you say you carry? And can they read Jesus all over your life? 
Look, we make it pretty obvious of the things that consume our lives. This is the greatest time of the year if you're a college football fan, right? Because Saturday just happened and we had all these ball games. We could have sat at home on the recliner and probably you may have done this, right? We sat at home and we just watched ball games all day. And you come into church and we talk about it. We celebrate it. We wear the shirts. We're all about it, right? People can clearly know who we pull for because it's evident in our lives, and I'm, I'm in that boat too, okay? I'm not just convicting everybody else. I was the same way. I sat at home and I watched college football all day, right? People know whether we like to hunt or fish, right? Because we'll post pictures of our latest kills and, and talk about our biggest catches. We'll have conversations all the time, and it's great. And it's evident, right? If you see somebody walking around camo, they probably hunting. Now, they were hunting. It's evident on their lives. Maybe for some of us, we rec- people can recognize in us that we've had a bad day. We don't hide it very well. It's evident in our lives. Maybe we were having a bad day, and they can see it. And they respond to it because of what they see. Listen, it's not hard to figure out people. If you spend a few moments with folks, you can figure out a lot of people. But with all of that said, why is it that we do not know who has been with the Lord and who hasn't? How come we come across somebody? How come we can't determine whether they've been with the Lord or not? Why is that such a hard thing for us as believers to project that out of our lives? Church. We need to be people that point Jesus to the world in every aspect of our lives. That, because the people around us need to know that Jesus can make a lasting impact on their lives. When they can see the impact he's making on your life, it'll impact them. When you lead as a believer and your life is consumed by Jesus, you're going to impact those around you. Whether you realize it or not, they will know you have been with Jesus. So why are people not seeing Jesus in us? Why are they not seeing Jesus in us? Why are we not impacting those around us with the love of Christ? Why are we not going into all the world proclaiming the gospel as we should? Jesus Christ gave up his place on high with the Father. He willingly did that and willingly gave up his life on the cross so that he could be the sacrifice for our sins and overcame death and the resurrection so that he could defeat the penalty of sin. And he did this all for you and he did it for me. And he did that so that his creation, his image would be restored back into the relationship with him. This is what Jesus did for us. And when that relationship is restored, he calls us to glorify and build up the kingdom of God. We must be leaders who are faithful to our Heavenly Father and our Savior Jesus. And we must respond faithfully to the convictions that are laid before us today. We must respond faithfully to be men and women of integrity 
in all areas of our lives. And we must live our lives faithfully to God and make an impact in the world around us. So the question for you today is, will you be the leader God has called you to be? Or will you continue to follow the world that will leave you high and dry at the end of it all? If you're in here today and you haven't put your faith and trust in Jesus, if you have not placed yourself under the authority of Jesus Christ, I want to tell you something. You can be saved today. You can be saved today. Jesus Christ provides eternal life to all who will believe in Him and what He did for us. And listen, I get it. You may be in here and you recognize you're lost. And you may already be saying, Pastor, you don't know. And I may not know. You may say, Pastor, you just don't know the week I've had. You don't know the person I am. There's no way Jesus is going to save me. There's no way that's going to happen because of all the things that I've done in my life. I'm so grateful that Stacy read that scripture this morning. Because in verse 13 of chapter 10, it says this. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. No stipulation. That says everyone. It doesn't matter the things you've done in your life. If you will call out to Jesus, he says you will be saved. Look, we've all got a past. We have all have got things in our closets we wish no one would ever see. We dig, deep it, dig it deep inside of us hoping no one ever gets to see that part of us. We've all got that. But Scripture says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you're tired of running from Jesus, if you're tired of running from the conviction, you can come forward and say, I'm calling on the name of the Lord. Scripture says, if you'll do that, you will be saved. Praise God for it. Come find salvation today. Well, maybe you're here today and you're already a Christian. You know you're a believer in Jesus. But you've also received some conviction lately from the Lord. Maybe today even. If you're able, I'm going to ask you to come to this altar and spend time with the Lord dealing with that conviction. Seeking forgiveness through repentance. If you're dealing with the sin and God has been calling you to remove that sin from your life, come up here and remove it. Come up here and spend time with the Lord. Maybe today, it's not necessarily conviction, but maybe today, God, you just need God's presence. Maybe today you just need the Lord. And you need to spend time with the Lord. You can come to this altar and do that as well. If you need prayer, I'll be right here. Will you come lay your burdens down before the Lord and trust in His providence? However God is asking you to respond, will you be faithful to respond today? Let's pray. Father God, we give you the praise and the glory for this day. We thank you for your word. God, I pray that the conviction that's being poured on us now, that you, God, will help us to respond faithfully to it. God, I pray... Uh, for all that are in this room, God, that you would speak to them now. You would move them where they need to be moved. God, if they need to come to this altar, God, will you move them to it? 
God, if they need to receive salvation, may they receive it today. God, if we just need to simply worship you through song, God, may it be done. God, I pray that we would truly be leaders you have called us to be. And it's in your son's holy and righteous name that I pray. Amen.